Welcome to Best of Seven, presented by the Big Lead. I'm Kyle Coster. I'm here with Liam McCune. And Liam, 18 weeks of the NFL season are down. And I have to say, the predictions were true. We absolutely nailed it, finishing 12 games over 500 for the season. That's 126 and 114, picking every game, picking them early. That's a winning percentage of 525. That's going to win you games. It's the exact coaching winning percentage of Dick Vermeil. We all know how fond we are of Dick Vermeil on this podcast. You having written the Kurt Warner piece, especially me as a fan of watching a grown man cry in public. I have to say we closed eight and seven. We're entering the playoffs hot. We're probably going to reset the metric so we can see exactly how well we do during the playoffs. And we are unable to do seven picks this week because there are six games. Some of these lines look really appealing. Some of them seem a bit confusing, but I want to cede the floor to thump your chest, uh, to revel in victory, and to just savor this moment of an above 500 year. You got to feel good about it. You got to feel real good about it. I think it shows that, you know, we both have a pretty good finger on the pulse in terms of what we're looking at with uh, the quality of the teams and the playoffs here. Uh, Dick Vermeil ain't too shabby at all. It's actually slightly better than uh, another uh, Rams head coach, longtime Rams head coach, Jeff Fisher, king of the 500. That was sort of my mental goal coming into the year was to end up at a Jeff Fisher record, and we ended up a little bit above that, so we love it. We love it. Uh, feeling really good about the momentum we have going into the playoffs here. Last week, we started off really poorly, but then picked it up. Bill Belichick always says you want to be playing your best football in January. I think we're picking our best football in January. Okay, so for our number six pick, I'm going to ride with a team that's been winning at about the same rate we have this year, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. They are getting eight and a half free points going down to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. And I know what you're thinking. Don't go against Tom Brady in the playoffs. Don't do it. But here's the thing. His wide receiving core is notoriously thin. They have been playing down to competition over the last month or so, even when Antonio Brown was on the field and not doing whatever the hell he's doing right now. Last postseason as well, famously before winning the Super Bowl. There was a mighty struggle against the Washington football team. Now, Jalen Hurts, this will be his first postseason start, but he is battle-tested because he played with the Alabama Crimson Tide. I think that this one is going to be closer than the experts think. I think that the Buccaneers may struggle to put points on the board early. I think that Philadelphia's ground game gives them a good recipe for success in the postseason if they can establish it. God forbid they get the first seven points of the game and then we start getting that, uh, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, can they shorten the game? Because that will be the plan. I don't think that Philadelphia thinks that they can win a shootout against Tampa Bay. So this and with some other games, you if you're going to back the underdog in them, you're thinking, well, they can control the clock. They can control the ground game. And I think that they can do that if they get off to a good start. And then I also think that Tom Brady's ability to get up into the high thirties, this game is kind of not existent uh, based on what Philadelphia has put out there on the defensive end. 
yes, they got absolutely trounced by Dak Prescott last week. You could argue just how invested they were in the results of this game. Weird things happen in the playoffs. I think that this one seems a bit too easy on paper, so we're going to go against it. Take the Eagles, who have kind of risen above expectations all year and will continue to do so. They're not going to win the game, but it is going to be a one-score one when it's all settled. I love this bet. I would actually, personally, I would have it higher than our number six pick here just because playoff games are very rarely full-on blowouts. Eight and a half points is a lot to give a Bucks team that, as you said, is very injured on the offensive side of the ball. And while the Eagles are absolutely a mediocre team with a lot of problems, unlike most mediocre teams, they do one thing at, at an elite level, and that's run the ball. They are hands down, no doubt about it one of the best rushing teams in the entire NFL. Just by that, it will should be a close game. I think that losing by a touchdown is very much within the realm of likelihood here. Money line is a different story, but an eight-and-a-half-point cover, I love Philly doing that, even with a rookie head coach and a second-year quarterback playing their first professional uh, playoff game. Yeah, one thing about Nick Sirianni is we laughed at him, and rightly so, because of the funny press conferences. But if you look at his total body of work, a massive success in his first season in Philadelphia. And, you know, if lightning strikes and they could pull this upset, uh, Tom Brady's 44. I think he will be back next year. But eventually, we could be facing the possibility where Tom Brady's last career game might be something that's kind of an unceremonious end. Like I said, you never bet against him, but just putting the facts out there, it'd be a hell of a thing if Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts were kind of like to usher him into retirement. What do we got for the number five pick of the week? The Cardinals as four-point underdogs against the Rams in Los Angeles. Both of these teams did not look good in week 18. They both played games they really could have won, but they dropped them. Uh, Let's see. So you got the Rams. They don't have a home field advantage. Matthew Stafford and all of his teammates seemed surprised by the fact that there were no Rams fans in Los Angeles for their week 18 game. They dropped a division clinching game that they still won the division through the Cardinals losing to the Seahawks. As a matter of fact, you know, both these teams have flaws. Uh, I just don't think that the Rams are good enough to win by more than a field goal in this one. The Cardinals and all this stuff about Cliff Kingsbury falling off in the second half of the season, it's a very legitimate concern. DeAndre Hopkins is very unlikely to play in this one, which takes away Kyler Murray's favorite target. But Matthew Stafford, I mean, listen, the guy can throw the ball longer than half the most of the quarterbacks in the NFL, but his decision-making remains really spotty in important moments. I think the Rams still win this one. I don't think the Cardinals have the juice offensively, which is a weird thing to say, but I don't think they have the juice to keep up again, especially with Aaron Donald wrecking their interior line. The Rams won last time they saw the Cardinals. I think that's in the cards for them again. I like the money line for the Rams, but if you're looking for an underdog bet here, I think you do much worse than Cardinals, just keeping it within a field goal throughout. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you say that both teams offer up many reasons to be concerned. I think that the way that Los Angeles stumbled to the finish line was really surprising and it does not portend a long playoff run. I think that Matthew Stafford in his limited postseason career has actually been pretty good. He's valued the football. He turns into a pretty good game manager. So I do expect them to get the win, but I don't think that this is a team that is capable of blowing anybody out. Uh, For the last second half of the season, we've been waiting for them to rise to the occasion. 
and prove that they are a dominant team to prove that they are Super Bowl favorites to prove that on any given day they can blow the doors off good teams and Arizona is a good team. Yes, they have faults. Yes, they have flaws. There's also a divisional game that you know is going to be knocked down, bare knuckle brawl down to the down to the end too. So the taking the points does make sense. I think the thing that I'm taking away from this game is I'm really down on both these teams' future futures after this game because I just don't see it, particularly with Kyler Murray. But it would take the Rams playing excellent defensive football all through the playoffs in order for them to get where they need to go, which is a possibility with Aaron Donald. Yes. But I just don't know how sustainable it is, especially when we see what the 49ers were able to do in a game that presumably was absolutely crucial and necessary to the process. They weren't able to deliver and it's become, you know, kind of a routine and kind of a bugaboo for them. So you do take the four points. It is one of those where you're like, totally not sure. It makes sense at number five, on our list. The number four pick of the week is the Kansas city chiefs laying 12 and a half to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And wouldn't you know it big Ben after saying goodbye two weeks ago and then saying goodbye again last week, we'll have another chance to say goodbye. Uh, This guy just won't leave the party. Even if everybody wants him to, it's another chance for him to be feted for all his great work off the field. I can't wait for the announcers to throw that again as this becomes a drubbing. We just saw what happened here, right? Pittsburgh was just in Kansas city. It was 36 to 10. It wasn't that close. I think that first half was about as dominant of a first half we've seen in football this year, outside of maybe Ohio state, Michigan state, Uh, Kansas city took its foot off the gas late. Pittsburgh is getting this done with like duct tape and smoke and mirrors and avoiding ties in the last second because a third team calls a timeout. Their offense has no explosivity. Yes, they have a really good defense. Yes, TJ Watt could get a strip sack. It's possible Mike Tomlin is an amazing coach. He could be, you know, pull a rabbit out of his hat. Maybe they come out and run wildcat the whole game. I don't know. It's going to take a miracle. Kansas City has left its early season struggles in the rearview mirror and to me has looked like far and away the best team in football. And when you have Patrick Mahomes, you're always the best team in football until it's proven otherwise. I just, it just doesn't make any sense how Pittsburgh is either going to figure out a way to keep Mahomes out of the end zone enough or find the end zone enough themselves to cover this spread. I just don't see there's a any way that Pittsburgh gets more than 20 points. And I think the possibility of Mahomes reaching 33 is very, very likely, especially as you consider how hot he's been and how in form everybody's been. He has his full complement of weapons looking really ready, really primed to go. They're hungry because they were detracted early in the season. And also they're still riding that stinging loss from last year's Super Bowl. They'll be out for revenge. I think you don't overthink this one and you just take the blowout, even if neutral observers at home are probably hoping this is interesting. Yeah, you summed it up pretty well here. There's no faith in the Steelers offense to put up points in bunches. You are a fool if you think the Chiefs cannot do that, even with a slightly less than stellar performance over the course of this season. They're playing in Kansas City. They saw each other two weeks ago. I mean, the only universe in which this game is even within probably three touchdowns is if the Chiefs forget to double-team T.J. Watt, which is unlikely, seeing as he now shares the single-season NFL sack record, perhaps with an asterisk, depending on your point of view there. 
I just don't see it. This is going to be, as you noted in the uh, post, an unceremonious send-off for Ben Roethlisberger. He just can't. He just doesn't have it. And, you know, the fact that they made the playoffs required an extremely unlikely circumstance in of itself. This is not going to be a good game. It's not going to be a close game. And frankly, I think 12 and a half is even a little bit low. I understand that they couldn't make it a full two touchdown spread. That would be absurd for the playoffs. And I just said on this podcast that playoff games are usually not blowouts, but this is one of those exceptions that you can see from a mile away. Don't get cute. Chiefs 12 and a half. The number three overall bet for this week, the third best bet, is the Bills, who are four-point favorites over the New England Patriots in Buffalo. Obviously, we all know very well what happened the last time the Patriots were in Buffalo. They beat the Bills with one of the strangest game plans we have ever seen in the one of the most unique set of circumstances we have ever seen. I haven't looked at the weather report yet, but presumably things will be a little bit more normal on Saturday night, which means that this game is more likely to end up like when the Bills came to Foxborough just after Christmas and handed it to the Patriots. It was not a particularly close game. I would know I was there. It was tough to, tough to watch. Josh Allen just had his way with the defense. And really the big thing here is not that the, I mean, this game will probably be competitive, but the Bills care about beating the Patriots more than they care about beating anybody else. They let the Jets hang in the game last week just because it was the Jets. If they get up to play the Patriots, man, they just, they just, they do it every single time. I think this game is going to be a little bit closer than maybe you might think, considering the difference in quality at quarterback here. Patriots are going to run the ball a lot, but really this just has in Buffalo, this has the smell of a game where the Patriots get in a hole early and then they have to play from behind. I'm fairly certain they have not had a single comeback win this entire year. They just don't play well when they have to pass the ball and that's not anything against Mac Jones, you know, but that's just kind of the fact of the matter here. I think that four points is a, you know, it's a kind of a weird line for this game, but you got to take advantage of it because Buffalo is a powerhouse. Don't get it twisted. And I do not foresee this game coming down to a field goal for either side. I think the bills keep them at a stiff arms length throughout. And we end up with a seven to 10 point deficit. It's really admirable that, that you would put this, uh, you know, in, in, in your picks and you would go against your beloved team. I guess the question I kind of want to ask is it seems like reality set in. I mean, for a moment, it was like the, the scuttlebutt was that Mac Jones was the next Tom Brady. Now, obviously, the body of work has kind of fallen apart here at the end. But the question I would ask you, and I do agree with your pick, but I just want to get your perspective as a fan. I, it's almost like it's a good thing for me that expectations are low going into this game because I think that if you're a Patriots fan – this is just found money to have made the playoffs to begin with this year. You're not going to be absolutely crushed if they lose to the bills, because you've kind of seen the limitations of this team. Now, anything can happen, especially with bill Belichick, but from my perspective, it's probably a little bit easier to remain sane and will be remain, will remain easier to be sane 
following a loss because we kind of have seen that this result might be a bit baked in, especially the last time, like you mentioned it, where you had a front row seat. How did you get those tickets, by the way, uh, to Josh Allen kind of clowning on the Bills and, and kind of showing the disparate talent level between the two quarterbacks at this point of their career. So how are you approaching it as a fan? Or is it like a backhanded, a good thing that expectations are low and it'll just be uh, tremendous if you win, but you've kind of already made your peace and accepting it uh, because it does seem uh, like there's some really tough challenges for the Patriots to rectify immediately. And there just isn't that explosive playmaker on the roster and barring like just a tremendous defensive effort for a month straight, they probably don't have realistic championship game and certainly not Super Bowl expectations. Yeah. I think any reasonable Patriots fan understands that this is found money, as you said, like uh, the expectations going into the year were that the playoffs would be a great, great outcome, regardless of how far anybody goes in the playoffs. I think the people's expectations got a little skewed there in the middle of the season, including my own, when we were all having fun watching the Patriots pick on really bad quarterbacks and offenses and really bad defenses. And that winning streak was a blast. But at the end of the day, what I am rooting for, what I imagine many other Patriots fans are rooting for is just a competitive game here. You know, everybody, you know, no matter what creed or color you might be, agrees that there's nothing worse than watching your team get blown out in a playoff game and the Patriots have usually been on the end of the team doing the blowing out but I would prefer to just you know keep it close have you know have some fun maybe give Mac Jones an exciting last you know last drive something like that I mean these bills these bills are uh they're they're a darn good team blindsided a new podcast from our friends at the Players Tribune is about sports mental health and life Hosted by former NHL goalie Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh, the podcast will share and analyze the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and what happened when it did. The podcast lets listeners hear these athletes describe moments when mental health became the most important focus in their lives. Blindsided then dives in deeper. It gets clinical, and it allows listeners to leave with an understanding of the different varieties of mental health challenges people face, why they appear, and how athletes in particular face them down blindside is a sports podcast not only for people who follow sports but also for those who don't that's blindsided from players tribune all right the number two pick on the board is the raiders getting six free points traveling to cincinnati to play the Bengals. and let me tell you two weeks ago i probably would have gone a different way on this but i love the raiders now liam i gotta be honest uh Derek carr has yet to find an obstacle he won't overcome this has been an incredibly difficult year for the entire franchise the entire organization the team and yet all they do is keep exceeding expectations and winning and i just have been so impressed with Carr, who has played himself we were just having the, the discussion last week about who is four through ten in the nfl in terms of quarterbacks and right now, like maybe the skill set doesn't suggest that he's a top five quarterback, but if you need one quarterback to win a must win game, you could do a lot worse than Derek Carr. We just saw them win a bizarre contest in which everybody was rooting for a tie. They're so good that they, you know, they, they won by accident, which is pretty cool. But I think that Max Crosby has been an incredible disrupting force uh, on that defensive line. That defensive line gets pressured. This team is tough. They, have an ethos where they love to punch you in the mouth that will serve them really well going to Cincinnati where it will be cold. 
going against a team in Joe Burrow, who has been fantastic throwing the ball through the air. But as the weather gets colder and as the game plan becomes more focused and taking away Jamar Chase, he's going to have to find secondary outlets. He has yet to have that experience, much like Carr. I just think that six points is so many. I think it's too many. I think that these two teams are fairly equal. Yes, you have the home field advantage, but I do think that that home field advantage that's not really going to be that big because the Raiders, you know, that's a minimal thing for them to overcome. I like the ability for that defensive line to put pressure on Burrow. And I'm not saying that Burrow is not all everything and not the savior and not like a future superstar in this league. I just would like to see him do it in the playoffs. And I'm not sure at this point, I like him six points more than I like Derek Carr. I think you you wanted to get a bit wacky on a money line this week. This is the play. If you want to take wacky, take the money line. For our purposes, we'll say that the Bengals win it with a late field goal, but I really think if you have the Raiders plus six, you're going to be in fine position in the game's final minutes. In summation, line way too high. Doubt the Raiders at your own risk, and this one is far and away my favorite pick on the board going into this weekend. Yeah, I was pretty shocked to see how big this line was in favor of the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals are great. And, you know, the last time we saw Joe Burrow on the field, he was taking down the titanic Kansas City Chiefs in one of the most exciting games of the regular season. But the Raiders, man, I mean, you said it right. You know, these guys have battled through remarkable challenges with most of them just on their own would derail any other team season, much less stacked on top of one another. Derek Carr can be underwhelming, but some of those throws he made in a must-win game against the Chargers were pretty remarkable. Six points, I mean, again, six points in Cincinnati. I mean, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see this game being a blowout. I love Jamar Chase and I love Joe Burrow, but these guys, these Raiders have been through a lot. And I think that the uh, Las Vegas' strength as a team go right up against the Bengals' weaknesses, you know, for for all the talk that was had about Jamar Chase versus Panay Sewell in the draft last year, Chase has been amazing, but the offensive line is still a huge, huge problem. Max Crosby single-handedly wrecked the Chargers offense for an entire 60, 70, 70 minutes last time we saw him on the field. I mean, I'm just, I'm with you on this. I think that this is a fun money line bet if you wanted to get freaky with it. But I do think that this cover is as guaranteed, is almost as guaranteed as it gets because there's just no way this game turns into a blowout. It's going to be close. It's probably going to come down to a field goal. And a six-point line doesn't even mean that it needs to be all that close. It just needs to not be a blowout. And I think that the Raiders can definitely handle that. Now, there won't be too much intrigue about our number one pick of the week because there's a limited variety. But why don't you lay it on us, Liam? We got the Cowboys, who were only three-point favorites over the 49ers, despite the game being in Dallas, despite the offensive performances of the Cowboys over the last couple weeks of the season here. I really, really like this one just because this seems, you know, it's, it's as close to guaranteed money as it gets in my mind when it comes to playoff football. The Niners had a very exciting comeback win against the Rams that gave everybody a lot of inspiration that gave everybody a lot of optimism about the chances of that team. But it's also important to remember that they needed that comeback because Jimmy Garoppolo essentially threw them into a 17 point hole and the San Francisco cornerbacks are a huge, huge problem that just happened to go away because the Rams folded in the second half of week 18. 
I do not think that that's going to happen with the Cowboys in the wild card round. I think that Amari Cooper and CD Lamb are going to be having their way with these guys. Cedric Wilson is really coming on as a number three receiver after Michael Gallup tore his ACL in week 17. It really feels like this game is not going to be very close just because of what the Cowboys bring to the table. They have elite wide receivers. The, Cow- the Niners have a poor secondary right now, mostly due to injuries. The Cowboys have a very opportunistic defense across the board, and the Niners are starting a quarterback who makes at least two or three really bad, really dumb mistakes per game. And on top of all that, he's still, as you will hear on the broadcast, no less than half dozen times this coming Sunday. Garoppolo still has some weird stuff going on in his thumb. He has bits of bone floating around in there. God knows what. He's hurt. He already has a problem with decision-making. The Cowboys defense is going to give Dak Prescott a short field to work with at least once, if not more than that, over the course of the game. And I mean, just Prescott and this offense as a whole has really, really, really started to click over the last three weeks here. They got over their midseason dip. Prescott looks as good as he has all season. And on top of all that, this is in Jerry World in Dallas for their first home playoff game in a while. I just don't, you know, the Niners, they had a good, you know, it it took a lot of work to get here. They had a good story to get here. I don't foresee this being a particularly close game. Yeah, it it perplexes me as well. Uh, I I think that Dallas has looked like at times and maybe most of the season, the most complete team, certainly in the NFC. Uh, You combine that explosive offense with the defense and the special teams like I trust Dallas as much as I trust anybody else. And yes, San Francisco has turned it on of late and it was a huge victory to beat the Rams, but the Cowboys aren't the Rams and what Prescott's been able to do, what he's capable of. We just saw they toasted uh, Philadelphia last week. It's, it's baffling to me. If you consider that home field advantage is worth three points in the NFL, then that's odds makers saying this was a neutral field. This would be a neutral line. Not in my book. I, I'm dead serious. Like I, I would put this line, if I was making a line for this game, I would put it at five and a half, maybe six. And that's kind of where I see things ending up anyways. It's really tough for me to imagine Garoppolo outplaying Prescott. You listed his maladies. Take away his maladies. What's his ceiling anyway? Like the, the offense works so well because it's run-based. I don't really see unless – San Francisco is going to go in there and gash them for like 250 on the ground, which could happen. I guess I don't see them winning this game. Bizarre line. You got to figure if they're winning the game, they're going to win by at least three. It's not three and a half. So you don't have to fear the field goal. It makes all the sense in the world. And I, to, to that point, I'm kind of wondering if the line is like that way, because everybody's thinking of this game as a renewal of fortune as a renewal of that old rivalry that was like super hot when I was growing up. And they're like, those two teams were always going against each other. No, those kind of like the Niners uh, were the more favored side. It's like this weird mental thing going on. But if this were not a playoff game, if this was just like a week 17 game, I would expect the line to be higher than three. So I don't know what's going on there. We're not going to overthink it. I totally agree with you that it's going to be the Cowboys, maybe not absurdly big, but maybe double digits and at the very least six. So I'm not worried about three. I think that this is, this would be my number one pick as well. Even though we alternate, I think we're on the same page here. I can't wait to go at least four and two with you to start the playoffs on a high note. 
Keep it tuned to the big lead. We will be doing the next round on best of seven next week. Listen to my show, the Kyle Coster show. We appreciate your patronage.